Washington's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Well, it's a night for running backs. End of the third quarter in the CFL game, 17-7 Ottawa leading Saskatchewan. And I've been getting texts from a couple of my Rough Rider fan friends who uh, lamenting the state of the Riders' offense, their only score on a punt return. And William Powell for the Red Blacks, over 180 yards rushing in that game. That's a new Red Blacks record. And uh, a gentleman we just had on the show in the last half hour, about 15 minutes after his game ended, Golden Bears running back Ed Ilnicki, 44 carries, 278 yards, 5 catches, 63 yards. 341 yards from scrimmage. Bears score the last 20 points of the game to beat Manitoba 36-25. I bring in Bob Stoffer in his capacity as the former sports information director for the U of A Golden Bears. And I know you were watching. I mean, Ed told us what it was like to play in it. Uh, you were watching it, and you've seen some other good Bears performances. Ed's Ed's numbers today must be right up there, man. Yeah, they- Jared Winkle had uh, 270 yards against Manitoba when the Bears kind of turned it around in uh, 2003, Reed. Uh, they started the year 0-2 that year. They won four straights. That was with Terrell Salmon, who in his three years of starting quarterback at the U of A went 18-4, and and really that was the last time Alberta was any good. But Winkle one game had, uh, I think it was 15 for 270 or 18 for 270, and Alberta won 71-16 in that game. And, I remember Tyler Shabunka, who uh, was part of that 05 championship team for hockey at the U of A, he called me from UBC. They were playing that night. He said, did they make a mistake on the graphic that runs on the ticker on uh, on uh, Channel 121? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, they're, they're saying the score was 71-16, and it really was 71-16. So in this case, I watched the whole game. I've watched uh, three of the four games this year that Chris Morris' team has played. Last... Uh, Really, the last three weeks or three of the five games they played, last three weeks have been a little bit better. Uh, they, you know, they changed the defensive coordinator around. Al Mickey will play in the CFL at, a, at at minimum as a special teams player. They got a couple other good players, but they still got a lot of work to do. And uh, they got, a, I mean, they had 42 first downs to read in that game and almost 600 yards. But I'll be honest, when they were behind early in the fourth quarter, I didn't think they were going to win the football game. Like I, I just, why would I think they're going to win the game? They haven't. You know, I can't remember the last time they won one. So I'm pleased for them that they won. We've seen firsthand with the Oilers read how, you know, his culture change and expectation change has led to a substantive change last year. We had Pete Shirelli on today. And uh, I think they're, you know, can you know, the football team continue to grow? They have a chance. They'll have to replace El Mickey, but they got an excellent receiver and they got a terrific defensive back, and both of those guys will in their first and second years, and those pretty good building blocks to build around. Bob, give me 30 seconds on the Oilers' forwards. It looks like Yamamoto's going to be here. Uh, is there going to be room for Chris Kelly on that PTO, or what well, are we looking at here? It's going to be tough. The wild card, uh, you know, at what stage do we see Slepeshev? Uh Peter Shirelli, did you hear his response today? Yep. Yeah, even I've been playing I, stuff, yeah. Even if I knew, I wasn't going to tell you. So. Right. Uh, I think it's going to be tough. You know, Yamamoto gets us to 49 contracts, and I'm not sure where Paul Yarby and Slepeshev are going to fit in on the right side uh, to start the year. I mean, maybe he could slid Slepeshev down. I'm not sure when he's about to return. 
And uh, and then in terms of Kelly, if, if they were only at 47 contracts, I think he would be signed. But because Yamamoto is going to make it 49, I think that's going to box him out. Bob, thanks for jumping on, man. Big game for Bears football. I'll see you at the morning skate. Hey, try to be there. Right on. That's Bob Stoffer checking in. Oilers now host and our color analyst for our Oilers broadcast here on 630 Ched and the Oilers Radio Network. So here's what's happening tomorrow. Oilers Canucks, 630 face-off show, 8 o'clock start of the game. That's on 630 Ched. On Kissin' Country 103.9, you will hear the Eskimos with the pregame show at 6.30 and the game starting at 7.30. They're home to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Dave Campbell, and this man, Morley Scott, in the broadcast booth. Morley, thanks for hopping on tonight. How are you doing? No problem, Reed. I'm good. How are you? Doing great. Uh, it's been a fun night, and I, the total yardage after three quarters in this Ottawa-Saskatchewan game Ottawa outgaining the Riders 330 to 120. And well, they've got a few more yards since then because they're down to the Saskatchewan uh, 25. So we'll keep an eye on that one. The Saskatchewan I, offense. I, I, I'm surprised that the way, especially the way the game started. I mean, Ottawa had uh, two and out to start the game, and then the Riders had a bit of a run until that interception. It looked like it was going to be a good night for the Riders, but uh, Ottawa's really battled back and, uh, and got back on track. Good for uh, good for Ryan Lindley, who had a real tough oh, debut in the CFL awful. last week, but he's making some stuff go tonight. And th- and th- and I know Roosevelt's injured, but th- this is the thing about the Riders, and I talked to Jamie Nye about this earlier this this week, is, you know, that Chris Jones mentality, Kevin Glenn at quarterback, and, you know, some potential but not a lot of experience at the backup positions, that when it seems to go dry for them offensively, it, it really goes dry. And that might be what, what holds them back as we move along. For the Eskimos, look, they've they've lost five in a row. They're trying to refocus, reset, coming out of the bye Give me a sense of how the secondary changes with a little more health and with Aaron Grimes back in the fold from the NFL. Yeah, well, the secondary changes, uh, basically you add Grimes to the mix and he's going to play that halfback spot inside uh, beside uh, Johnny Adams. Uh, Neil King is, of course, back at safety for a couple of games now for Hightowers at the other halfback spot. And Chris Edwards will play on the cornerback position. So Marcel Young's coming out of the starting lineup uh, for the Eskimos in that defensive backfield. Uh, it's a lot different than it was just, you know, four or five, six weeks ago, and certainly a lot different from where it was at the start of the season. Just uh, just looking at it now, I guess, from the first couple of weeks of the year, only Johnny Adams and Neil King are guys who are still in the lineup who started the year in the same position. So, yeah, they've, they've made a lot of changes. They've had so many of those guys and still do have so many of those guys who played in that defensive backfield on the injured list this year. It's been a real tough position, and, and you know, even some of the guys who are playing now, like like Forrest Hightower, started the year on the on the six-game injured list before he even got a chance to play. So it's been a tough position for the Eskimos, one of several tough positions injury-wise, but they're starting to get as healthy. This is the first, I think it's only the second time all season. Uh, Dave and I were talking today, Reed, and we think it happened after the Labor Day game as well. I haven't gone back and checked yet, but, uh, but they haven't had to make any injury changes to the lineup. All the changes are coaches' decisions, and the medical staff had nothing to do with the changes they're making this week. So that's a step forward. They're starting to get healthy. But, man, they still got 19 guys in the 16 injured list, which is just right. ridiculous. Okay. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, they released Chris Getzlaff. They traded Shamad Chambers to Hamilton. You need Canadian depth in this league. They got rid of two Canadian receivers. Now, granted, those guys weren't playing a lot. But what is going on now at the, at the Canadian, four Canadian receivers on the team here? 
Well, they're still going to try and stick with the with the four imports as much as possible there. So Corey Watson will play. He's listed as a starter for the game tomorrow night. Uh, Calvin McCarty, I think, will line up as a receiver a little bit at times uh, tomorrow night. And uh, they still have Nate Bahar as well, who's here, and, and Matei Ajay as well, both our receivers. Bahar hasn't got into any offensive action as of yet this season, so this may open the door for him to, to sneak onto the field in an offensive spot, which has not happened yet this year. He's mostly been on special teams when he's been in the lineup. So they still have uh, uh, those two guys. Uh, Getzlaff has been released. He asked for his release, and the Eskimos granted him that because he didn't want to be on the practice roster anymore. He wanted a chance to go out and play. So uh, he is uh, he is gone, and uh, the trade, I think the trade uh, with Chambers helped to free up some money because they needed they needed, I think, some cap space possibly to bring in uh, Aaron Grimes and sign him to a deal. Also, uh, they brought in Tracy Waters this week too, which uh, obviously uh, had to sign another contract with him. So I think it all—it's all part of the big jigsaw puzzle that the general manager has to work with. Okay, and quickly, Morley, before I let you go, and by the way, Ottawa fumbled deep in Saskatchewan territory, so still 17-7. I mean, those points really could have put it away for Ottawa. Now, new life for the Riders who are moving the ball. So I, I said earlier, Waters place kicks. O'Neal punts. Uh, yes. Who kicks off? Uh, I would think O'Neal does. O'Neal, okay. uh, they both did a little bit of practice, but I think O'Neal will do will handle those duties uh, through uh, through the game. We'll see how that develops. Uh, but yeah, uh, O'Neal's, O'Neal's been a real good punter uh, through this time. He's had obviously a couple of issues with with place kicking, but I'm looking forward to seeing Swayze Waters talking to him today. He's pretty excited to get back in. He didn't play at all last year. He was in Vancouver for the preseason, uh, played in a couple of preseason games, but was a healthy scratch for a couple of games, and then was released by the BC Lions. Uh, last time uh, he played a full season was 2014. His demise, injury-wise, he's been banged up the last couple of years, was the game in Fort McMurray. We all think of that game as the game Mike Riley got injured. Well, that's also the game Swayze Waters got hurt for the Argos. Uh, and Dave Stala had to kick a couple of converts in that game or attempt to kick them in that game. And uh, Waters got hurt there, and he only played six games in 2015 and didn't play at all last year. So he's looking forward to, to bouncing back and getting back on track tomorrow. Uh, almost 80%, 79.5% success rate. But don't forget, in that 2014 season, he was 90% for field goals. He had a 47-yard average on punting and was named the CFL most outstanding special teams player. So okay. he can do it. I don't think there's any doubt about that. We just have to see if the injuries have taken its toll on him. Morley, thanks for checking in, man. We'll talk tomorrow. We're both going to be on the air, but we'll find a way to connect, buddy. All right, mate. Look forward to it. Talk to you later. Morley Scott, play-by-play voice for the Edmonton Eskimos. Tomorrow on Kissin' Country 103.9. Coverage will start at 6. 30. The Riders are threatening to score. The Oil Kings are underway. And the Edmonton Huskies of the Prairie Junior Football Conference might be the best team in the country. Their head coach, Ian McLean, up next. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, the Rough Riders suddenly back in the game. They get a touchdown. Ottawa leading 17-14 with 9-19 left in the fourth. The Oil Kings have fallen behind early against Lethbridge. one nothing for the Hurricanes. Uh, only three minutes in the game, into the game. Oilers prospect Stuart Skinner in goal for Lethbridge tonight. All right. Ian McLean is the head coach of the 6-0 Edmonton Huskies junior football team who play at Winnipeg tomorrow night at 7. Ian, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Doing excellent, Reed. Thanks for having me on. 
Yeah, well, good to see you guys are, are rolling through so far undefeated at 6-0 and with a couple of regular season games to go, and uh, you're playing in Winnipeg this weekend, so we'll talk about that. But I want to ask you, because I, I look up Edmonton Husky stuff, and I see things saying uh, number one ranked, not just in Prairie, but in, in the country. Is this like a formal ranking, or is this just like some dude at his computer saying, hey, the Huskies could probably play? How, how serious? To, not how serious, but uh, where does this ranking come from, and how much stock do we put in it? Uh, the, the league puts it out, and it's, I think it's their media guy who does it. I mean, to be honest, stuff like that, that's that's great and nice little white noise around us, but our focus is just on the week. We want to make sure we're, we're being focused on ourselves, and the entire message all year long has been have this week be our best week, have this practice be our best practice. So we get Winnipeg tomorrow, that's all our focus is, and all that stuff is just fun stuff for people to look at, but we're, as a team we're, we're pretty just focused on what we're doing against Winnipeg this week. All right. You know, the cyclical nature of, of junior football, obviously. I, I know we've talked a couple times throughout the season. Um, I hope this doesn't sound silly asking a coach of a team that's 6-0, and but in terms of expectations, record aside, are you getting the performances, the attitude, the dedication you thought you could get from this group of players? Yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been happy with the group. Um, I, I don't have to make a lot of cuts at camp usually. Uh, we have guys come out and either they, they fit in with how hard we work and how much expectations we have with our guys or we don't. And and guys that are here, they, they kind of know what we expect of our guys, and that's being committed in the classroom, being committed on the football field, being committed in the weight room, being committed to meetings. And when you get characters like that, you get character people like that, uh, chances are you're going to be pretty okay. And it's taking some time to get there, but I'm very happy with what the guys are doing. All right. So you're going to Winnipeg. Uh, you play there tomorrow. They're 3-3. Three and three. Um, First of all, let's start on the defensive side of the ball. What are some of the challenges you think you're going to face defensively? Uh, I mean, Winnipeg, they're a good football team. They've got a good running game. Their backs are fast and, and agile. Uh, and they've started to throw the ball better in recent games, too. So it's, it's they're becoming more of a multi-prong attack. Uh, we're going to be playing some pretty young guys on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, we, we got some guys that are, that are going to be missing, that have missed a few games and will continue to miss because of injuries. So it's going to be, uh, we've said from the very beginning, bad programs and bad teams use injuries as excuses. So we want to make sure that even if we got young guys in, that we're flying around. So I think we'll be, uh, well, seven guys that aren't our normal starters are going to be kicking reps this week. So that'll be fun to see and a good challenge for our defense and our young guys who will make plays against a good offense. Okay. Do you do you change anything when you have younger guys going in, especially that quantity? Do you have to alter the game plan or the play calling at all? Or do you say, no, this is the way we play and, and you still got to go out there and execute the way a more experienced player would? You know, we've been getting our guys pretty good reps all season long. We, we practice at a pretty high pace. We we have guys getting reps on, on O-team, no matter if they're lower down on the depth chart, they're still getting reps throughout the season. So those guys need to know the system that's ready to play. I mean, it's the next man up philosophy. I know Bill Belichick is famous for it, but I think it's pretty universal in sports that you have to have the next man up mentality. And if you get your number gets called, you got to be ready to play. So our expectation is those guys are going to be able to come out there know their role, know their responsibility, and go make plays. Ian McLean joining us on Inside Sports, head coach of the 6-0 Edmonton Huskies. Look, I'm looking at your points for, I'm just going to read them here per game, 30-41, 57-33, 
40, and 62. You have never scored fewer than 30 points in a game. Sounds like a, an offensive coordinator's dream. Uh, is this is this athleticism on the offensive side of the ball? Is it is it experience? Is it quarterback play? What's driving the points for? Well, I think uh, Coach Walters has a very good system. He teaches it very well. We've got a group of coaches that teach it really well on that side of the ball. Uh, I think that we've we've shown that the guys obviously can go up there and put up some points. Well, what's interesting, especially for a couple of games in the middle of the season, uh, we had one game where we had five different quarterbacks play. So we had we had all sorts of guys touching the ball. Our offense is not about stopping one guy; we're trying to stop the system. And I think that's tough on defenses. And it's a credit to, to Coach Walters and the players and the coaches to be able to do that because it's not not easy it's, it's not an uncomplicated thing to do but it's something that's been uh, been really fun to watch and be a part of it's it's always nice to see those guys out there making plays and, and seeing multiple guys making plays not just one or two guys all right so you're at winnipeg tomorrow you host the saskatoon hilltop saturday october 7th to close out the regular season just, and look i know you're very focused on tomorrow even ian but just looking at the standings do you do you clinch a home playoff game with a win tomorrow? Have you already done that? What are we looking at here, playoff wise? Yeah, our, our first game of playoffs will be at home, so okay. I mean and that'll be dependent on who we play, based on how we finish. So um, yeah, that's that'll be we'll have another home game, which is good. We haven't hosted playoff games since 2004, so it's uh, it's about time. All right, well, keep going tomorrow, Ian. Always great to have you on the show, and of course, we'll talk again soon, man. Keep in touch. Thanks so much. Really appreciate the support. And uh, it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun coaching this group. and be fun to do it for a while longer. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders have tied it. They, they were nowhere near being in this game. With about three minutes left in the third quarter, they got a punt return touchdown to cut into Ottawa's lead. It was 17-0. That made it 17-7. They get another touchdown after Ottawa fumbled deep in Saskatchewan territory. And then Tyler Krapinia just kicks a field goal. So four minutes to go. And the Saskatchewan offense coming out back out on the field after Ottawa punts. 17-17 tie. Four away to go. Man, my mom is going to be annoyed if the Riders win this game. I'll call her tonight and be like, hey, Mom, how's it going? The Riders won. I hate them. I love them. Do you really? I'm a Saskatchewan. I'm born and raised in Saskatchewan. I've forgotten we have one about sports that. team, you know? I'd probably block that out of my memory. Probably. You do things like that. Oil Kings up 2-1 on Lethbridge. Nice. Three minutes left in the first period. We mentioned the Golden Bears football team, 36-25 in Manitoba, getting a win this afternoon. Ed Ilnicki, the star of the game, with 341 yards from scrimmage. We had him on the show shortly after the game ended. That was awesome. NHL preseason tonight, Canadians up 3-1 on the Panthers in the third. The Islanders have beaten the Sabres 3-1. Jordan Eberle had a goal. Leafs up 3-2 on the Red Wings in the third. And with 10 minutes left, the Hurricanes are up 3-1 on the Washington Capitals. FC Edmonton is home 2 p.m. Sunday at Clark Park, taking on the San Francisco Deltas. And I mentioned the Edmonton Huskies at Winnipeg tomorrow. Edmonton uh, Huskies are 6-0. The Edmonton Wildcats having a tougher year. They're 1-5 in Saskatoon on Sunday afternoon. Oilers at Vancouver tomorrow, final preseason game. 6.30 for the face-off show, 8 o'clock for the drop of the puck. The home opener, season opener, is Wednesday. Uh, Dave Randorf's going to be calling that one 
on the TV side for the NHL on Rogers, and Dave checks in now. Dave, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Last time I talked to you, we were uh, eight floors above the uh, the rink at uh, at, the, at the barn, waiting for a playoff game. Remember that? I absolutely do remember that. I think everybody remembers those games very well. Yeah, way up on the. I can't uh, remember which game it was before. It might have been before game. Uh, was before game five. It was. It, it was. Wasn't game uh, one. It might have been game two or game five. This so, was San Jose anyway. when they had yeah. Because then the yeah. then uh, I think Houston and Simpson did the Anaheim series, didn't they? Yeah, you know what? The Oilers became too sexy, and the Leafs got knocked out. So, you know, they, they sent in the big guns. <laughs> they sent in, there you go. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's interesting because, uh, I, I mean, we all uh, have covered a variety of sports and levels of, of sport, not just hockey in, in our broadcasting careers. Do you remember, maybe it's not the very first time you did play-by-play, but an early play-by-play gig that stands out? Because I'm guessing it wasn't the National Hockey League. <laughs> No, it wasn't. Um, I, uh, well, I I can remember my very first one. It was a, wow, what was it called? It was called the Air Canada Cup, what is now called the Telus Cup. I think it's still called the Telus Cup. Uh, the Midget AAA Championship. Uh, back then it was called the Air Canada Cup. And uh, it was in Sudbury. And uh, so that was, I, I was working at TSN. They had a lot of little, you know, smaller games like that. They still do a lot, a lot of stuff Hockey Canada related. And uh, I went up there, and, and one of the – I can't remember who – I think it was one team from Ontario in the final, another team from uh, Quebec. So it was a regional tournament, of course. And in the final, I got this Quebec team. And <laughs> I remember this being – you know, not only was it my first real kind of, you know, certainly real televised play-by-play gig, and they, they were throwing me a bone to see how I would do, but it seemed like all the French guys had hyphenated first and last names, the entire team. <laughs> So it was a play-by-play kind of nightmare. It's a challenge enough for me just to kind of make it through the game. But uh, imagine that. It just those, you know, Jean-Luc, uh, you know, Francois Robert. You know, that's one guy. Okay, he's got the puck, and he passes over to, uh, uh, you know, Martin Saint Louis would have been easy uh, compared right. to some of these names. Oh my God! So I do remember that, and I I, I got my way through that, and, and eventually threw me a whole bunch of other. Um, Smaller games like uh, RBC Cups and, and then into Telus Cups. I did a Telus Cup that had Jordan Everly in it, actually. I oh, nice. That very well. Yeah, it was in Charlottetown. It went to triple overtime. Dustin Tokarski was in net for, for uh, who the heck was he playing for? Well, uh, Jordan was playing for a team out of Regina, of course. Tokarski was the reason the game went to triple overtime. Because Everly, there were some other good players, but Everly was was by far and away. He was he was on he was fantastic. You know, you could see it back then that he was a, an excellent player. And it went into triple overtime. And I remember this because uh, we were on TSN. They were coming up. There were there was a game that we were doing, and Gord Miller and Pierre Maguire were standing by to do a game, a playoff hockey game in Buffalo. And so I had to, and TSN had a rule, and the, the, this was long before TSN one, two, three, and four. Right. Just TSN, that was it. <laughs> so they would never leave a game until it was over. And in fact, they still really don't. They just tell you to go to a different TSN now. And so <laughs> me and Dave Reed are doing this, this, you know, uh, this midget AAA championship while they're waiting for the Buffalo State. I can't remember who the Sabres were playing, but it, it might have been the Flyers. It was a playoff game, an NHL Stanley Cup playoff game. 
And I would throw back to Gord Miller for every five, six minutes to get an update as to what's going on. So we, we had this huge audience watching this, this, uh, Triple H championship because everybody really wanted to see the, uh, see the, uh, you know, the playoff game. And the other story I'll tell you about is, um, so all, all these little events led to one event that, that kind of changed my whole career. And that was a, uh, a CIS women's championship game and i was working for tsn now living in vancouver and i was uh, kind of hosting the late night sports out of vancouver there and i was also you know doing other things they had me hosting they had me do some play-by-play of smaller events and all that and um this is back when paul Ronak used to work at tsn and uh this is before he went away to move away to london england and uh he was supposed to do this game and he got sick so I got a call because I was it was in Calgary at the Oval, and uh, I I got a phone call out of the blue from uh, my my boss at the time, or one of my bosses, and said, "Listen, mommy's sick. Can you do us a favor? I know it's short notice. The games I think maybe even tomorrow, and uh, you'll work with Cassie Campbell. And uh, can you do it?" I said, "Yeah, sure." So on a plane I went. I did this game, and women's hockey. Let me just say this, and and I mean this in a good way to you Reed, and to all your listeners women's hockey has come a long way since i did since this game that i did uh this was a terrible game like god awful even the women who were in this game would probably tell you the same thing it was one it was a championship game it was mcgill against u of t kim st pierre was in net for mcgill she was by far and away the best player and it was a one nothing final in overtime maybe even double overtime and again, this was before the women's game had evolved to uh, where the passes were, were good and they, they had shots. It was it was a terrible game. So we do the game, Cassie and I, and there's nobody there, by the way. Like zero, there's like nobody there. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you know, we do the game. I go home, and then uh, you know, for, fast forward maybe about a, a year, and TSN gets the national rights back to the NHL. From they were at Sportsnet. They went away to Sportsnet for a while, and then they and before now, of course, we got them back. So TS, TSN gets them back, and we're all really excited at TSN. And, and by then, I'm kind of an established CFL host, and I didn't really think I'd have a role or anything like that. But uh, I can get another call from uh, the same boss who who wanted me to do the CIS game. He goes, uh, "Yeah, come on in tomorrow. I want to talk to you about your role for uh, our NHL coverage when we start in the fall." And I went, "Great." I said, "Geez, they're going to give me something to do." And and Never, ever, even when I walked into that office, there were three bosses sitting there, did, did they say, you're going to be doing play-by-play? Uh, because I hadn't done an NHL game. I'd done a whole bunch of little ones, like I said. So I sat down, and they said, listen, we got a lot of games. Uh, Gordon Miller's going to do the majority of them, but we've got, we've got about 25 games a year that we need covered off, and you're going to be our, our guy. And I went. I was thrilled. It was, it was awesome. And I said, it, you know, it really changed my whole career and led to what I'm doing now. But I asked him, I said, you know, I, this is great, guys, and I'm going to do the best I can. I won't let you down, all that stuff. But I, I haven't done one NHL game. And I th- we, we thought you were going to hire somebody or, or bring somebody else in. I got I to gotta ask it. What, makes you, what made you think that I can do this? And the guy, Rick, speaks up. He says, I'll, I'll tell him. He says, that game you did last year, that terrible, awful, crappy women's game, I was watching, and you actually made it sound actually good. And I remember sitting there thinking, if he can make that game sound okay, you can do an NHL game, no problem. And I've never forgotten that story. And you never know who's watching. You never know. And I, I actually tell that story when I go speak to students and stuff like that because you never know who's watching. You never know what, what it could lead to. So that ultimately led to me doing that uh, playoff series with the Oilers last year. 
Wow, that's incredible, and that's a great story. And I love that reminds me of something. Uh, I interviewed Kevin Lowe several years ago about Rod Phillips, and Lowe said he was injured once in the '80s, and all the games weren't on TV then, right? I mean, you might have three yeah. Oilers game on TV a month, maybe you know, maybe maybe three or four. So the Lowe listened to the game with another injured player. And then the players came back from the road trip, and Lowe said, wow, that was an incredible game the other night in Washington, Detroit, wherever you were. And the players said, what are you talking about? That was a horrible hockey game. But Rod calling it on the radio, you know, elevated it to the point that, that it sounded <laughs> like it was an amazing sound game. a lot better, yeah. yeah. Dave Radorf yeah, joining wow. us on Inside Sports Night. Now, you've done uh, primarily hockey, but you've done football, probably some other stuff in your career. Is it like would it be different calling another sport or if you all of a sudden had to go and i know sports that doesn't have cfl but if you all had to sudden go do a football game or a baseball game would it be different for you than calling hockey or is or is play-by-play play-by-play uh no i think i think it's fair to say that every sport is is a little different the the, the only events that I've, that I've called is uh hockey and at all different levels, men's and women's, and you know, as, as I've said, I've done lots of different lower levels, right up to the NHL. So, and I did two years of uh, CFL play-by-play, kind of backing up. John Wells used to be the main voice of the, of the CFL on, on TSN, and um, he couldn't make all the games. And we didn't. This is before we we did all the games, which we do now. Oh, sorry, which TSN doesn't. Right. I'm not there anymore. Uh, all that was diehard. Read um, anyway. Uh, so they had me do two years worth of that, but I didn't. I did a few at Commonwealth. I did a couple of Calgary Edmonton games, and and uh, a few. Uh, definitely, I, it was a thrill to call some games at Commonwealth back uh, back in those days. Uh, but you know, I did so few that it, I doubt a lot of people would remember. Wellesley did most of them, and it's been a while. I did call a game when uh, Damon Allen became the all-time leading passer. He broke uh, he broke Ron Lancaster's passing yards record. While Ron, La- they were playing the Tie Cats, and Lancaster was the coach, so it was it was perfect. And Lancaster came across the field and gave him a big hug, and it was really a cool moment. Uh, and as you would know from Ron's days there at Edmonton, he was such a great man, a great classy guy, and uh, just loved him. And uh, that was a that was just thinking about that moment. It, it, it was a, I believe, Reed, that that one particular play was a, it was a second and short. And he went through it all, and he found Alfred Jackson in the back of the end zone on a, like a 45-yard bomb, and that broke the record. So it was pretty cool. Well, uh, so I did that, and I uh, did, uh, believe it or not, I did a couple of NBA games. I did uh, when the remember the Grizzlies, the Vancouver Grizzlies. Absolutely, big country. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So I I got a few of those thrown my way too when I was living in Vancouver. So they are all different. I mean, hockey is the fastest one, and uh, there's there's really no. Uh, you know, if the game gets going the way we all like it to, it, it really, you know, it's, it's, it flows, and uh, especially at the pro level. And my training ground doing under-17s and under-18s and RBC Cups and all those games that I just talked about, that was great training for me because those games don't flow uh, nearly as well as obviously an NHL game would. So, you know, when you learn the cadence and you learn the – you know that you throttle back and forth, and when to rise and when to fall, and when to slow it down, and all. the rhythm of of your call. Uh, if you can learn it at that level, you can really flow once you get to the, the NHL. At least that's what's really helped me. So uh, they are all different, but uh, I certainly enjoy uh, the job I have now. Awesome. All right. So uh, are, are you are you doing Edmonton on Wednesday, Dave, against the Flames? 
I am. Yes, I'm doing okay. that game and uh, Saturday night as well. Okay. Oh, awesome. So, uh, look, this is... I'm not going to ask you to make any predictions because I get asked that so often at this time of year. I run out of things to say. But when you when you look, well, I will throw you this. It, it's it's funny how things can change because you look at a lot of the stuff and some people, the experts, if you want to call them that, will say, well, the Oilers and Leafs are going to be the top two Canadian teams. That'd be quite a turnaround, and I guess certainly a nice turnaround in those two markets. And I, I know what it's been like here at Edmonton during that tough decade. So yeah, Toronto and Edmonton, they're only, they only played twice, but maybe the best two Canadian teams this year. You know, it's hard to argue that right now as you look at uh, all the teams involved, and that's all due respect to, you know, Ottawa always goes, uh, hello, I'm standing right, right here. You know, I <laughs> One, one goal away playing. from one the final away, last year. Yeah. Standing up final, hello. <laughs> Um, but I think uh, they uh, and and you know it's they they must must drive them crazy because they're they're in Ontario of course they're they're just a few hours up the up the highway and uh, it's all about the Leafs but um, Ottawa is going to be a factor they you know they've got they've got uh, a superstar they've got plenty of guys who can snipe up front I don't think Kyle Turris gets nearly enough credit for what a very good player he is. Bobby Ryan finished strong in the playoffs. He could get back to the 25, maybe 30-goal range that he used to because he, he himself he even admits he had a poor season. Then you throw in you know guys like uh, Hoffman and, and Stone, and there's a bunch of guys up there who can score, and they've got a decent defense, and they've got above-average goaltending. So that'll be a factor. I think everybody agrees that Montreal is, is, is not looking like they're going to be uh, one of the top teams in their division, let alone in the East. Uh, I think Winnipeg is going to get in the playoff conversation this year and if they don't boy i i you know I, I thought they should have been a playoff team last year i thought they wasted about uh, eight to ten points easily on nights where you just you're watching them and you can't really i mean it, it, it wasn't always the goaltending either sometimes it just came up with a stinker at the wrong time mm-hmm. they couldn't win three in a row all season long right. they could not they were consistently inconsistent and i think they've addressed that uh, they have obviously some emerging young stars up front with Shifley and Ehlers and, and Line, of course, and Blake Wheeler is still the, the engine that drives that whole bus. Uh, Ehlers, I think, you know, you, you've seen him plenty now. That he's the, he's the one guy that they forget about, too. He's so, so good. And uh, we'll see how well Steve Mason does. But uh, Tyler Myers is back for a whole season. They missed him back there. So they're going to be entering the conversation for sure. Uh, and then there's Calgary, who they feel they've made strides in the back end. Uh, but if you, you know, <laughs> their preseason's not going very well, that's for sure, and they need to snap out of it, and their coach said as much yesterday, and I think put them through a hard skate today. Uh, but, having, you know, that brings me back to your point, and I, I don't think there's anybody out there that can say, uh, that can dispute what you're saying. Toronto is, Toronto's poised. They have changed, changed the culture. They've, they've instilled, uh, you know, an attitude in there, and, uh, and They've, they've got some good young pieces that have established themselves. They had a bunch of bunch of guys, 20-plus goal scorers up and down their lineup, and, and they've got a goalie who can play 65 games plus yeah. and, and hold the fort, and that's a key. That is a huge key, as Oilers fans saw last year. So it's hard to dispute, and, uh, you know, I don't have to go on about the Oilers. That's all you guys talk about there, and, and, and rightfully so. That's a, it's a special, it's a special um, thing that's just starting there, just getting started and i'm really looking forward to being around for a lot of the games to see it to see it grow and i I really am anxious to see how long they're able to keep dry saddle and and connor mcdavid off the same line i know that uh, todd mcclellan likes to move things around quite a bit and even night to night game to game but 
I think, let's face it, I'm sure you've talked about this a lot on your program, the, the long-term plan is to have those two guys one-two punches up the middle. And uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing that's how he's going to start. We'll see. Uh, I know that's been that way in the preseason and in practice at times, but we'll see once the real games begin because that would be a that'd be that'd be a handful for, for a lot of teams. Yeah, no kidding. Dave, first of all, thanks for sharing those stories from earlier in your career. Really fascinating stuff. And I look forward to seeing you around the rink, hopefully a lot uh, this year. Always great to have you on the show, man. Hope you have a good weekend. Well, thanks for having me. It was fun chatting about that stuff, and I am really looking forward to uh, getting back in there on Wednesday night. I know uh, what a way to start, right, with uh, with Calgary coming to town. and uh, It's going to be exciting. So uh, we'll see you at the morning skate. All right, Reed. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. So the Rough Riders come back from 17-0 down in the third quarter to beat Ottawa 18-17, the winning point on a punt single. With two and a half minutes left, Oil Kings lead Lethbridge 2-1 after one. Golden Bears football, first win of the year in Manitoba, 36-25. Tomorrow on Ched, 6.30 for the face-off show, 8 o'clock for the drop of the puck. Oilers close out the preseason in Vancouver. Eskimos and Blue Bombers on Kissin' Country, 103.9. 6.30 for the countdown to kick off. The game starts at 7.30. Thanks to Patrick Bauer, our studio producer. Dave Campbell is the producer of the show. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Inside Sports.